Hey podcast friends, Morgan here. Just a little heads up, this episode will be covering some topics on things like addiction and depression, and we'll touch on a little bit of suicide. So just a forewarning to let you pick your time and place uh, for listening to this episode. Today is December 8th of 2020, unless of course you're one of my patrons, which means you get these episodes a day early, in which case, um, greetings from the future. I wanted to make this episode because December 8th is a special day in my life. And today, on December 8th of the year 2020, I am savoring, celebrating, eight years without a drink. Eight years of living free and sober. And I could not be more grateful. Now this podcast is certainly not about sobriety. It's about creativity. I think they're connected. For me, they've been connected. I want to share a little bit about where I started and where I am today. And if that interests you, welcome aboard. And if not, next week, I have an interview with a poet. In 1963, my mom walked in on my grandmother mid-suicide attempt. She lived another four years, but in 1967, with a mixture of alcohol and sleeping pills, she took her own life when my mom was 12. 20 years later, in 1987, I was born. In 2003, when I was 16, I had my first drink. It was dark. It was a Friday night. I was hanging out with my skateboarder friends. And and perhaps it's irony striking here, but they were passing around a bottle of Captain Morgan rum. The next thing I remembered, I woke up in my car the next morning experiencing my first hangover. I had fallen asleep in my car at 16 years old with the radio on and my battery was dead. I was late for work and I just felt awful. Now, leading up to that time, freshman, sophomore, first half of my junior year, life and creativity had all my attention. Whether it was 
getting ready for basketball games or writing music for the band I was in, rehearsing lines for the different parts I got cast in the plays. Life had all of me. And of course, I can't speak as my 15, 16 year old self, but in all honesty, I felt very happy and fulfilled, but I'm sure it was more complicated than that. Sitting in my car that morning, I felt a sense of helplessness and hopelessness. I just, I just reeked from a bad night of drinking around a fire in the woods. And I, being late, being imperfect, being caught, being confronted, these types of things really, um, I did everything in my power to try to avoid them. When it came to difficult conversations or any areas in which I might be lacking, I just wanted to fly under the radar. But when it came to accolades and successes, I wanted all of the attention. Rationally, I knew that it wasn't a good idea to do that again. But ration and foresight, it turned out, would not play as large a role as they had in prior decisions in my life. Something else took over. More took over. By May of 2003, I dropped out of school, didn't quite finish my junior year, and all that I wanted was to get high and drunk. It was a hard way to live. It really was. My vision narrowed and honed in on inebriation, intoxication, and I could see no other future, no way out. For a time, nothing else mattered. sick. Toxicity would ooze from my pores, and I would look into the mirror, into my face, and I would not recognize the young man, or, or really the boy, that was staring back at me. junk food and the alcohol, my ability to take care of myself, 
deteriorated right in front of my eyes and consequently right in front of the eyes of all the people I loved and all the people who loved me. than worse and there came a moment just under two years later where I hit a tipping point in all truth from that very first morning when I woke up hungover and cold and stiff and gross and sick in my car with my dead battery late for work I had been trying to stop drinking but I couldn't I had pushed away not only all my friends my family but also all my interests, all my passions, everything that I had spent countless hours studying and honing and enjoying were just not important anymore. They fell to the background as life became blurrier and blurrier and blurrier. My relationships got so strained money became such an issue I couldn't trust myself I was 18 years old it was the winter of 2005 I'd been drinking and getting high every single day there was no voice from the heavens no picturesque cloud parting no message delivered but something shifted and from one day to the next I was able to put everything down the pot the drink the tobacco and it was gone by the time I turned 19 in 2006 I had seven months or so without a drink or a drug I'd stopped smoking my body was just mine again my money was mine again my actions were mine again if I wanted to exercise I could if I wanted to save money I could if I wanted to spend it on something I could it wasn't locked up in vices and addictions it was such freedom and I loved it it suited me it just suited me there was an incalculable fervor with which I'd pursued drugs and alcohol it was just so dedicated and I found with my 
newfound sobriety, that that same intensity, that same compulsion could be channeled. And I found music. Music had been a part of my life before, but in those preceding years, I couldn't access it in the same way. And I started writing songs every day and performing them and traveling and, and making money making music. Then I found dance and I trained and I studied and I obsessed and I attacked it with the same unrelenting fervor. And for five years and 10 months and change, I stayed sober. In retrospect, my dedicated ambition was not enough to keep me strong and healthy forever. In the fall of 2010, I found out some difficult news about my dad. He was diagnosed with bipolar one and was struggling. I really took it to heart. I was living in a small apartment up in North Portland and I just was, I was alone with my grief and my concern. And I didn't know how to share the burden. And I didn't know how to ask for help. My creativity, my dancing, my music ground down to a halt. And in its place arose a mentality within me. It was this clenched fist death grip on one phrase, anything but a drink. I was willing to suffer in isolation. I was willing to go it alone. I was willing to do whatever it took as long as I could stay physically without a drink or a drug. If you've ever, if you've ever played with, um, like one of those, um, like it's a packing material and it has it's filled with air but there's some some room inside if you push on one side the air comes up on the other and if you push on that side the air moves over and it was the same with me just because i was pushing down that desire for release through alcohol popped the same cravings elsewhere. And for me, at that time, 23 going on 24, the way that it manifested was in isolation, and junk food, and video games, and too much caffeine, and these little rips in my armor started to break me down. My creativity, like I said, was ground to this excruciating halt where my, my one 
access point to creative inspiration, to spiritual channeling, to fulfillment and well-being became inaccessible to me. And instead I leaned into my negative behaviors, staying up too late, not eating right, not exercising, not connecting with community. And depression took a hold of me in a way that I could only even attempt to articulate today, 10 years removed. But at the time, in the throes, I had no words. And I had no resources. As I pushed everyone away from me, again, there's one particular memory that comes to mind. It was maybe eight o'clock at night, dark, cold, rainy Portland. And I'm sitting on my floor, kind of by the front door. And, and I, my hands are in fists. And I, I'm just punching the carpet. And I don't really have words for what I'm feeling. But I can say today that it was something between refusing to drink and not wanting to be alive and hating myself for feeling the way I was feeling and allowing myself to reach the point of depression and isolation that I had reached. And how could I not think of my grandmother and the route she took out? I remember pounding my fist into the carpet and then doing the same thing to my own temples. Just sort of, I mean, not too hard, but just kind of hitting my knuckles against my temple, just like at a loss. And this is a gradual progression that took place over eight or nine months from deeply connected to community, deeply inspired, writing music, performing, touring, dancing, making money, blah, blah, blah. It was not enough to keep me sane. And it turned out that it was not enough to keep me sober. And that agony that I experienced that night of pounding the carpet and feeling helpless and kind of just wanting life to end transformed internally to a state not long after where emotional pain led me to believe that one drink was not such a bad idea. Nothing could possibly be worse than what I'm feeling now. So, I might as well try this. And I'm 24 now. Those were just the misguided experimentations of a teenager. I've proven to myself over the last five plus years that I don't need it. It was just a phase. I wasn't and am not 
an alcoholic. It was just a hard time. And maybe this will help. So my first time legally buying alcohol was at 24 years old on November 1st of 2011. I walked into a 7-Eleven. I bought a couple beers and a pack of cigarettes. And in a state of absolute emotional bankruptcy, I turned to that old friend. I remember sitting at my dining table in my dark apartment on a cold November night in Portland and feeling that first sip go down and just thinking, kind of thinking before I did that something, something big would happen, either that I would feel resistance to it because of how long I'd sworn off or that there'd be some big, you know, uh, relief. And there was neither. There was nothing. It was just still me, still feeling very low. But I got to the bottom of that 24 ounce. And I got to the bottom of another one. And that old familiar feeling crept on back. And a cigarette on top, little buzz, little head spin. And I knew I was in trouble. That lie that I told myself about uh, how it was different because I was younger or how it was just a phase, I saw it for what it was just denial was self-deceit I'd always known that the way that people around me related to alcohol was not the same way that I related from that day November 1st of 2011 all the way around to December 7th of 2012. I was more or less drunk. And every morning, I swore off. And every night, I caved in to something stronger in my own resolve. During that time, my 24th and 25th year, I did not achieve the relief that I was seeking. I did not take the edge off. I did not quell the emotional pain enough to get back to my creative endeavors, my music writing, my dancing, my life, my friends. Instead, I plunged deeper into that dark hole. 
that is depression, that is isolation, that is alcoholism. And I picked up right where I'd left off as an 18-year-old. But it was even worse. The craving, the control it had over me was even worse. And I just started to hate life even more than before. I just wanted it to be over. A creative, inspired, loving, kind, happy, interested person. I just wanted it over. December 7th of 2012, a little over a year into my drinking, I had my last drunk. It wasn't something too fancy or worth writing home about, but it had just gotten so bad I was drinking so much. I just couldn't stop or control anything in my life. I remember waking up on the 7th at maybe 4 p.m. after a rough night. And I'd fallen in the night. I'd blacked out. I'd bruised some parts of my face. I'd slept through all my work commitments for the day. I'd had commitments and not shown up. I'd had a paycheck and not shown up. I'd had friends that I'd left hanging. And all I could do was just shake and dry heave on my hands and knees. I felt like I was at a point of no return. I felt cut off from the creative spirit, yes, but also just from the, the spirit of life. I love life. I love learning new things. I love seeing the sun and the moon and the birds and the stars and the water. I love running and jumping and biking and kayaking and playing sports and hanging out with friends and, and eating and cooking. And, and it was all... It had all become so out of reach. And I told my mom and my dad that I was not, in fact, still sober. And that I'd actually started drinking again back in 2011. And that I couldn't stop. And that I needed help. 
that gesture of honesty, that movement away from hiding it and lying and being in denial towards reaching my hand out for support was the beginning of a major change. And my mom suggested AA. And on December 8th of 2012, I walked into my first meeting. later on December 8th of 2020 and 2020 has been I mean I don't need to tell you if you live through it it's been a ride and throughout the ride that has been 2020 and throughout the ride that has been the last eight years the rekindling of my relationship to myself to spirituality to community, to family, to friendships, to loving, loving interactions. Just for myself has been so remarkable to witness. All my creativity, all my passion for life, all my desire to just be a positive impact on other human beings has been returned to me tenfold. And I feel stronger today. I feel more sure of who I am. I feel more comfortable in my own skin. I feel lighter and happier than I've ever felt in my entire life. You know, if you've been listening to this podcast, that this is not a long time project. It's a recent endeavor. I started it in March as a way to combat the loneliness of the lockdown. If there is an offering on life's table, I have the opportunity to reach out and pick it up and examine it and taste it and see, is this for me? I can try anything and everything and I can like it and love it or dislike it or hate it and walk away or stick with it or move on. And creativity is not an island. Creativity is a bridge from one state of being to another state of being. And the only way to get there is to actively participate in the creative process because I can't see what's on the other side. I don't know who I'll become. I just know that if I don't say yes to the guidance of that creative muse, I will never find out. I'll just stay stuck. And so today on this maybe normal Tuesday for a lot of people out there and very special day for me, I know that tomorrow brings another day of doing all the same things that led me here. And that is waking up and before my feet touch the ground, practicing gratitude, sending up prayers, allowing the stillness of a meditative mindset to permeate my being in my nose, down my lungs, into my belly, and holding that there 
as I move throughout the day. It's making conscious choices. It's taking care of my body. It's exercising. It's breathing fresh air. It's being immersed in nature. It's cooking good, solid meals for myself. It's being attentive to the people in my life. It's being available for people that need anything at all. If I can offer, I will. If I can't, I set a boundary. And as I've done these things today, I will do these things tomorrow. And the great benefit is that I'm free. I'm free from that God, awful depression. I'm free from that thought that maybe life would be better if just it wasn't. I'm free from having to take a drink or really any other mind-altering substance. I'm free. And in that freedom is possibility. And in that possibility lies anything. Infinity. The podcast that you're listening to right now it may exist for years to come. It may simply be a bridge that helped me get from March to December in one piece. Really, I think the point is, for me and I hope for all of us, to sort of lay back in a state of receptivity and open our chests and open our hearts to the great creative force and again, I've said before in the past, it's not what we make. It's how the process of making makes us, makes us become, helps us feel empowered, changes how we perceive the world, and maybe the perceptions of those that witness or participate in our artistic process. And as I open my heart and my chest and I just relax into receptivity, I am afforded this opportunity to step into the future, to step into the unknown from a place of willingness, from a place of excitement, from a place of asking, what can I do to beautify the world through art? So I wanted to share a little bit about my journey with you, despite the fact that it made me uncomfortable to think about recording and archiving for all time this level of vulnerability in the hopes that it might serve you in some way to recognize the validity and the value in an examined life and that the inner work, that inner process of a creative being, which I believe we all are, that inner work cannot be compartmentalized. It is holistic. It is every single part of us, and it needs to be addressed if the freedom of creativity is to be accessed. So from where I sit, eight years sober and free, to you out there, wherever you are. Keep doing the work, keep making, and I'll see you along the way.
this episode of MakerCast was recorded and produced right here in beautiful Bend, Oregon. Music for this episode can be found in the show notes. If you'd like to support the ongoing creation of this podcast, tell a friend, leave a review on Apple Podcasts, or visit patreon.com slash MakerCast. Thanks again for listening, and I'll see you in the next episode. Thank you.